Mm. When did you get my hair cut? Mm. Yeah, nice. From Noriko? Yeah, from Noriko. She's asking, how's your sister? I say, oh, she's doing well. I just saw her yesterday, last night. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah she's really nice. And I know, um, I love her. Since we're already recording, I just want to do a quick shout-out to Noriko, uh, who runs a salon in Hornsby. Um, she's such a generous, the best hairdresser I ever had. I've been going to her the past five-plus years. Since yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Noriko knows how to cut my hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we like we like Asian people doing doing it. Yeah, our, they know how to do making our us hair. look how to yeah. <laughs> Asians know how to make Asi- other Asians look good. Yeah, and the last time I visited her, I was uh in shock that could because she had a very very different hairstyles from what I remember previously. Mm-hmm. And then she pull off her hair and I realized she, she was wearing a wig so she shaved her head so apparently um she had friends who's going through chemotherapy with uh for mm. treatments for cancer and because um Asians particularly Asian women in Australia she noticed that there are not there's no market for cancer patients Asian female cancer patients when they lose their hair there's no wig surfaces what type. do you mean there's no like wigs that fits them in Australia. Is it because our shaped head is different to the Anglo head? Yeah, possibly. Is that what you mean? And the styles that we prefer is very different to the majority yeah. of white yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. She has imported some of the wigs from Japan and she um give um she provides consultation for people who need wigs. So right. Which is really good because um, I spoke to her today. She said that most people just get wigs from online, but the truth is that you really need a a hairdresser to go through, fit the wigs for you. Yeah, it's such an art. Make sure that it fits your head, or otherwise it will be yeah. too tight, and you have yeah, exactly. Or the yeah. hair, the the hair will be too long. You might need yeah. a hairdresser to you know trim the fringe or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that it looks genuinely like more authentic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's such a great thing that she's it's, doing. That is yeah. so that's, that's so incredible. I would love to. Um, what a great way to start the show to give out a shout out to Enrico. I mm. have started going to her thanks to Helen as well. Mm, yeah, so Noriko, I'll put her business link on our show notes if anyone who I know it's a bit far, you know, out of the city, but it's worth a trip. She's such a nice person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um No awkward conversations as well. I hate awkward conversations with hairdressers. <laughs> I just can't do small talk. Yeah. Um how should we start today? Do you want to go first with your cultural consumption? Uh yeah, sure. So um this week, um, I forgot, I actually wanted to talk about a film that um, I caught at the Sydney Film Festival, which ended, okay. a, you know, just over a week ago. Yes. And I've, I remember, actually, that I forgot to talk about it on the podcast. And I really want to because it's a film that's actually going to have a um, nationwide general release in oh, nice. August. So yeah. at the end of August, um, I believe it's August 31st, actually. The movie is, of course, Celine Song's past lives ah yes starring greta lee um did you want to see it with billy because i saw he's no i oh yeah no i i went to see it by myself um which was awesome Uh um and i got i scored like a free ticket i scored like the last ticket because um all sessions were sold out at the sydney film festival for this film it was very popular 
Um, it, it's such a uh, beautiful film about kind of um, someone like you and I. So um, it's kind of, yeah, it's based, it's um, Children of Immigrants uh, based on, loosely based on the director Celine Song's own experience. Mm-hmm. She left, um, her father is a filmmaker, her mother is an artist, mm-hmm. so they're quite wealthy. Uh, just, you know, caveat that. Um, and she uh, she's 12 years old when she leaves Seoul, Korea, and they immigrate to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And um, so the movie jumps from um, Korea, uh, Seoul, you know, like 20, 40, 24, 30 years ago, and then it jumps to 12 years ago when they immigrate to Toronto. And then it jumps like 12 years later to kind of present time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we meet um, the adult um, protagonist and she has reconnected with um, basically a crush that she had back in Seoul mm-hmm. and they're kind of having a very emotionally intimate relationship on Skype, basically. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, she's doing an MFA in um, screenwriting, I mean, a, a theatre play. So she wants to be a theatre right through the... She wants to write for the theatre, um, playwright. And um, they get kind of really close and then she realises that neither of them have the capacity to, you know, move to, like, he, the guy doesn't want to come to New York, she doesn't want to go back to Seoul, so she kind of severs their relationship. Mm. And then it, and then the movie jumps 12 years ahead and she's now married to a Jewish guy who's also a, who's a, who's also a writer. He writes books, though. And then... Um, Basically, the movie, the rest of the movie is about uh, the 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 Korean guy, her Korean crush, coming to New York and spending like two days with her, mm-hmm. and they kind of rekindle their friendship slash crush, but they never act on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but it's just such an intimate, um, beautiful kind of slow moving love story about what is it really about? I think it's really about. The questions that um, you ask yourself: What if? I think I think that's on the surface level. That's mm-hmm. that's really it. But I think deep down, the grief of it is letting go of your ch- child in a child. Uh, I think what was so sad for me, and I, I did every a, a lot. A lot of people cried in the cinemas. Wow. Um, for me, what was so sad was um, in the end, um, learning as an adult to let go of your uh, the the child that you have inside your heart, your inner self, and you your inner child. And like he represented that he the guys that she had a crush on represented sort of the the mm-hmm. inner child or the sort of you know when you're a child you have pure your fantasies are very pure mm-hmm. and they're very um, optimistic and they're all very wholesome and this movie really is about like meeting kind of by meeting him in her um, late thirties it's almost like she's seeing herself for, again when she was twelve because this was the boy who she knew when she was 12. Mm-hmm. So it was like, uh, it, so like it was a way of like time travel for her to see herself because yeah. this is the only man that she knew at that age and he knew her in a way that her husband doesn't know. Yes. And the husband um, was kind of a very sympathetic character. Like I think in the audience, um, every, every most of the lines where the audience laughed were the lines delivered by the husband. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like, the kind of <laughs> the jealous the jealous white dude <laughs> also because like um the film also kind of explores the notion of what a man 
ideally looks like because they're they're kind of two different uh, versions of masculinity. The the Korean guy is like very tall and very handsome, broad shouldered, and the Jewish husband is short, uh, very sweet and more feminine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought it was really lovely in the way that they didn't make judgments. Like the film didn't judge either masculinity types as better, you know, mm-hmm. one or the other better. Different. Yeah, yeah, just different. I mean, personally, obviously, I'd prefer the white guy only because I just I I don't like typical. I don't like um. I'm not attracted to just traditional standards yeah. of masculinity. Yeah, I I definitely don't find that attractive at all. But yeah. um, but in saying that. This Korean man who plays—I don't know his name. Feel bad, but he's a, apparently a very um, popular actor in Korea. Mm-hmm. He um, he's very, very, very sympathetic character as well, and very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, you know, it's it's July tomorrow, so you guys have to wait like two months until it comes out. Yeah, but it's it's so beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. And Billy did say he would love you to watch it because, you know, you would really like it. He actually said, why don't you go see it with Helen? But I was like, well, Helen's not going to travel all the way down. <laughs> it's a bit of, yeah, it's a bit hard for me to go down to Sydney. To yeah. Movie, but I am keen to see that movie ever since I saw the trailer at the beginning of the oh, year. Oh, yeah, I've seen that trailer a dozen times. It's so beautiful. Actually, it's so beautiful. It's I, I, so much innocence of the childhood. You can already tell from the trailer. Yeah, exactly. The differences as an not the differences, but as an as adults, you can see that the characters, they the familiarities that they have um, the interactions, even through the trailers, you can already tell that how much they know each other. Yeah. Each other because, you know, they know each other since kids. Yeah. I think this um, movie will resonate really strongly with you, Helen, because you left Taiwan when you were 12. So you would have had, you would have had a relationship had, with Taiwan. Yeah, I had a relationship. You didn't, with, you didn't have a crush had, in Taiwan that yeah, you I left. Crush in, didn't have any kids that I like in Taiwan but I, I did the trailer made me think about you know the boys that I fought for when I was 12 or 13 yeah and sometimes you you just make you wonder that oh what happened to them now like would I still like them as an adult and oh right I asked myself that question and my answer is no my me too absolutely I was and in I love with jackasses He's so different, you know, the the people that you like when you were a child compared to now you're an adult. It's just yeah. very, very different. Yeah. I had different types of crushes. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, the genuine crushes I had, I think I've always had a thing for very soft boys, mm-hmm. like just like very quiet, like very, there's just um, men who are not, don't, boys who don't come into a room and dominate the room. Like I've always had a thing for sweet, soft, more feminine boys. Mm-hmm. But then I, I know off the top of my head during high school, I also had crushes, like superficial crushes on the hot jocks who were absolute dickheads, you know, mm-hmm. and who like after a few years after high school, I Googled, Googled them and they were like married with kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, definitely not my types. 
But yeah, the trailer for Past Lives is beautiful. It is like I actually went to see the movie and then like a week later um, we were at the cinemas um, and we were watching the, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's movie mm-hmm. and then the trailers were going on and the trailer came on for Past Lives and I had tears streaming down my face. Just, was just it, the tra- because of the music? just the trailer. What is the trailer? Just the trailer. Just the trailer made me cry because it just brought back the emotional resonance of the film. It's so beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's the resonation. It's the it's that kind of resonance for diasporas that you are caught in between two worlds, and then yeah, we we haven't really seen much films about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then going back and forth about your um, life before you move to another country, and not a lot of people, most people don't know about our, our lives before we move to. Australia. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so past lives. Hopefully, uh, once it's out in August, I'll be able to go and see it, and we can have another discussion. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Feels like it's like when you're talking about letting go. Uh, to me, it always sounds like the character Bim Bon. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, which Helen. we won't mention now because Helen's just gonna sob, <laughs> sob through Bim Bon the loop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of Bim Bon in yeah, inside out. Yeah. Um, okay, so my cultural consumption this week is very different to yours, but nevertheless, it's very Asian. It's <laughs> Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> the Disney animation. So this <gasps> marks the 25th uh, year anniversary of Mulan. It's so hard to believe. Um, I never watched it. Never. I, I saw clips of it. I heard a song thousands of times because you guys. Who <laughs> is that girl I see? is <laughs> straight. And that is literally how I sing. I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard you guys sing for thousands of times and then when we go to karaoke, like it's like a Disney festival for our family. So but I yeah. haven't seen the movie ever. So I okay. watched it the first time as a forty something year old woman with my daughter. Um yeah, nothing's changed. I think it feels What do you same. mean nothing's changed? I feel that that the the film made twenty five years ago and the story, mm. you know, a couple I don't know, a thousand or a couple hundred years ago, the legend of Mulan, the mm. expectation of woman, you know, mm. and yeah. how that the character Mulan portrays is a very outgoing, she wasn't accepted because of her, um, because of her personality. Gender. Yeah, her gender and because of that she's, she doesn't conform into the particular expectation of how a woman should be. Yeah. And as much as, I like to acknowledge um, the progress in a lot of places with feminist movement nowadays. There are still a large part of the world um, expect women to be what, you know, that the matchmaker in the film expects the woman to be. Yeah. You don't have to go far. I feel like it's very close to us with still hearing women, you know, around ourselves that the society or even people around them don't accept of who they are just because they speak their mind just because they're doing what they want to do Mm. and yeah it hasn't changed yeah 
No, sadly, no. Sadly, no, yeah. And Mulan is is such a fun movie to watch because there's the um, Eddie Murphy who plays Mushu the dragon. Oh, right. My element in it. And also, I didn't know that there was a second movie of Mulan. Right, yeah. You, I did not know that either <laughs> until you told me. Mulan 2, and we're halfway through that movie during the week, so we'll hopefully finish that movie tonight. Yeah. And it's so funny that um, my daughter's watching it and she keeps rolling her eyes. Mm. She's giving her rolling eyes. She's like, oh. I can't believe this is still happening. She like feels so. She understands. I think she understands that the difficulties of being a female in the world, um, yeah. regardless on screen in the story or out in reality, it's all the same. It's all the very yeah, yeah. experience that we all go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, any books this week for you? Or um, I have not been reading a book. Um, uh. So I have no book recommendations, uh, but yeah, no, I don't have any book recommendations. How about you? No, I haven't. I have read, I finished a short story book, but it's in Chinese. Uh-huh. You digesting through it, it really made me feel want, want to write short stories. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I think the author's name is Chen, Chen Yingqiao. Yeah, a Taiwanese writer. Yeah, she resides in Brussels, I believe. Yeah. So okay, cool. Um, immigrant. And what are the short stories about? A very, very mundane lives about couples, about stories of studying overseas. I think she's right. she writes from experience. Mm. Yeah. Um, but her words, her, her writing styles are very good uh, in the sense that it's very soft. And something that you probably don't like. She's very descriptive as well. Mm, very mm, right, yeah. Emotion. Yeah, yeah I, I actually like yeah. that. That's not easy to write. I, I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and also the, I bought that book in Taiwan because the title caught my attention. Yeah, um, what's the title? Translated into English, it says, uh, the title is, let me, ref- let me, let me think about how to, how do you say it in Chinese? 天使没有性别, as in heaven has no uh, uh, and then... uh, angels are genderless. Oh yeah, so she wrote there's a short story about transgender person in that book. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So angel is genderless. Yeah. So right. that title caught my attention, so I bought that book. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Great, great recommendations. Should we take a break? Yep. And when we come back, Helen wants to talk about some very interesting trend that's happening overseas in Asian, uh, East Asia countries about uh, the trending of white people's food or white food. <laughs> Byron Fan, we'll be right back. Hi there. If you're new to our show, thanks for tuning in into our program and we hope you will stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, we're forever grateful for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. It has really helped this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of people who look like us, who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, Google or Spotify 
and leave a rating and review. And of course, as a small podcast program, we rely on listeners' support to continue this work. Please do check out our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation in order for us to continue to advocate the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Okay, we're back. So in the last two weeks, I I saw a couple of uh, articles from BuzzFeed, Guardians, and even the South China Sea Post about this trend that was supposedly started in late May when the Chinese woman in Switzerland posted a video of uh, an European woman while she was riding on a train. So in the video, the European woman assembles her lunch, which consisted of a bag of lettuce and slices of ham. And um, the video went viral and sparked like a wave of online discussion in China, um, talking about um, these healthy meals attributed to white people. And even the Chinese news start following up and asking um, immigrants and expats for their perspectives of their um, white colleagues' lunch. So you kind of continue to review sort of food that white people eat or white people bring to their work. Um, it was so funny because there's um, spectrums of the response after those videos being posted. Some mm. people say that, oh, it's it's nice, you know, less, it's less labor intensive. You don't have to really cook. You just chop it up and you put it all together and you eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then th- there are some people saying that it's actually, it looks so bland. It's, it's such a misery. Um, I'm quoting here that one blogger wrote a particular scathing review about the diet of broccoli, chicken, brown rice, and raw garden vegetable calling white people food the lunch of suffering. (laughs) So I I thought this was quite funny that the way, you know, how as immigrants, um, even with last week, we talk about how we've been humiliated when we were growing up at the, at school um, time. And now that the Chinese uh, netizens are kind of shaming the white people of eating Mm -hmm something that is so bland and so mm-hmm. simple, even so that you consider, yeah, it's more healthy, is for sure, but it's, it just reflects on a very different idea of how to consume food and food, yeah. food that you consume as well. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think this trend has jumped? It, was it just completely spurred by this one video? Yeah, it was just completely spurred by one video. And then people are saying, you know, people start sharing what sort of food that their colleagues have in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Let me have a look. The Guardian. Oh, okay. So the guy on in the Guardian article, it says that the TikTok one TikTok user breaks down white people food into three parts. First, it has no spice. Zero feeling to your food because it does not prioritize enjoyment. <laughs> can involve as little preparation as possible. <laughs> Raw, eat it as whole piece. And third, it is eaten at work or school. So the idea is mm. that you get off work, you go back and you eat your normal food and you feel your 
you feel alive back. And one of the bloggers explains that the fascination with these food comes from the fact that many Chinese people are used to cooking with a lot of different ingredients. Mm. Yeah, I think um, given the fact that, you know, we, we had dinner together last night. Yeah, and uh, we went to Beifang. Yeah, we went to is, Beifang, the Chinatown noodle shop. Which has been, by the way, taken over by white hipsters. When did oh, yes, that happen? we got to talk about that. When did that happen? It happened around a couple of years uh, ago, I'd say. About, about 10 years ago, it started being taken over. Someone yeah. has something about doubted i think somewhere i, I bet know. because it's so stark it is so stark it was like so if you don't know guys it's a restaurant um we know it because it was very close to our dad's um old business yes, yeah. it's in it's basically on q street in haymarket yeah, so it's near Prince center yeah the Prince center it's near um market city and mm. if you've been there guys um you would not have missed it because um it basically used to be just a hole in the wall um yeah. run was, down was, a chinese restaurant building. right yeah and um and um you would know it know it by people back in the 80s and 90s knew it by um the fake vineyard that was hanging from the ceiling yeah, and the great. very thick yeah. rugs that were hung on the wall mm-hmm. okay so if you know what i'm talking about you know this restaurant now um somehow a few years ago um they extended the entire restaurant to outdoor so there's now an outdoor seating area like a sort of like a pop-up outdoor area and every single time I go it it's like I'm in Newtown that's literally what it feels like young good looking white yeah yeah, people like um students basically students um it's so weird because like that area other than that restaurant itself that area is all full of Asians Mm-hmm. yeah and then just this one restaurant like somehow white white hipsters love it i shouldn't yeah, have to say white it. hipsters hipsters imply whiteness <laughs> we had anyway. a table of um nine of us inside well, yeah we had a we had a table next to us who are all oh. wearing man buns and oh buns. yeah so um yeah. yeah a couple of people and around us um so the reason why helen and i were sure so i mean i personally am shocked by this is because like um i grew up going to that restaurant almost once a week with my family mm-hmm. and it was always just Asians now when I go it um it's taken over by white people it's um it's been colonized that's what we were talking about the last yeah time. yeah I mean um it's just it's such a shocking um like we're not saying it's bad okay we're not saying this is a bad thing we're just like making an observation of how shockingly shockingly like um dramatic this change in clientele has become yes and um yeah we were sitting across the seat from like two um like a guy two gay maybe gay guys I don't know they were like young white guys Mm -hmm. and then another table like 45 50 year old guys who were like in a band or like used to be in a band they kept talking really loudly about German grunge and they were either shaved head or like had man buns Mm -hmm. and they were talking really loudly um but yeah it's, it we got so onto much. this topic because Helen was mentioning food and yeah. this restaurant that we so went to. Yeah, it has changed so much because around the area around UTS has been so much built up as well. They removed the car park and yeah. there's a now there's a Woolies Metro. Yeah, by last night as well, and there's a couple of like very poshy wine bars and cafes. Oh yeah. Really? Oh. Because it's close to Darling Square now, if you think about it. And my dog has just came into the room. 
Oh, I wish I could be there with your dogs. Well, anyway, yeah. Um, well, let's go back to Byron Fan, the white people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never thought about, you know, like, like the reverse observation of what um, the white people have in how simple that their food is can become making it such a big deal that it is on news and people in China seems to, I wouldn't use the word humiliate, but they joke about how misery it looks like it's <laughs> simpleness of it yeah yeah but it just shows how different people consume their food yeah, yeah. i feel very lucky because um i have the best of two worlds i guess yeah and i i have to say often um when i'm traveling and say i don't remember what occasion but i do remember many moments in my life where i've wanted white people food where I wanted white food and I'm because like, I guess like my ultimate yeah my craving my ultimate my ultimate lunch is a sandwich like a toasted sandwich mm -hmm. like a vegetarian focaccia or something that is like the best lunch I can think of like um, my tastes are I'd say pretty balanced but I do love white people food um it's because of its simplicity sometimes I just like that you know um like toast or um you know a piece of raw something on its own it isn't necessarily a bad thing you know mm -hmm. um although i have to say when i was in primary school i did look at my friends um very kind of um flimsy untoasted white sandwich just was basically one one layer was was uh buttered and the other one was vegemite and they were just like it's like it was like a it was like a limp dick. Yeah. it looked like a limp dick their sandwiches looked like a limp <laughs> white dick and i was like i remember just thinking that looks so unappetizing <laughs> i don't know because back in taiwan i kept thinking that you know back in taiwan uh, when i was growing up the lunch at school you either have to order like bentos like, school, mm -hmm. like bentos asian kids have the best bent lunches honestly yeah. they were very spoiled green like packed lunch in the uh -huh. um, aluminium bento uh -huh. box and you can get it steamed this is this oh, is amazing. i don't know in any other I, I assume some asian countries do the same as well you know usually that those you know you bring home will be like leftovers from previous night dinner and you mm -hmm. stay at school and then you have a hot lunch at school i think that was one of the culture shock that our parents especially our mom had that she has mm. she was just had a, such a hard time to figure out what to pack for us for lunch right and i remember our mom was just so worried about us not eating hot food in the middle really of the day. yeah really wow okay i didn't know that that's so fascinating yeah because i guess maybe in asia to not eat hot food is like um to eat like a pauper and it was just like you know yeah it's so strange yeah. but not to not eat hot food but like for us it's like of course yeah kids lunches are just supposed right. to be simple right yeah it's about lifestyle as well because when, yeah when i think in in most asian countries that you have such a um uh, what's the word I'm trying to 
fine. In Asia, that you it, when you have a very labor intensive work, you tend to eat a lot in the morning, mm -hmm. and lunch wise, you always have. There's also a lot of convenience everywhere as well. That there's noodle stores, there's um, street vendors that provides hot food almost anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Taiwan's the best. Speaking of Taiwan, it's like twenty four seven. Twenty four seven, you can get hot food. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, almost <laughs> everything is closed by nine p.m. Honestly, we drove home at, from the city yesterday. <laughs> dead. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, but this also is making me think of like um the politics and the class divide of food in general. I mean, it's different. It's a whole other subject, but it reminds me of that ad when we were growing up in Australia. I remember that ad where there were these two uh, uh, tradies who were sitting in a truck and eating meat pie, and uh -huh. they were looking in at a uh, looking looking in at a restaurant with two men who were like fine dining in suits. Do you remember that? Do you remember that ad? And it was basically an ad for four and twenty. I think it was four and twenty pies, yeah. and um, and the men kind of like the tradies are like looking at each other and eating this, what looks to be a very delicious meat pie, mm -hmm. saying um, and one of them says, "You reckon they know what they're missing out on?" And oh then, yes, yes. Now I remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it it kind of kind of just reminds me of it. Also, this idea of like. What is different good types of food? Yeah. yeah, and also like the class divide of food as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're talking about people who never experienced Michelin star, like people who can't afford it to go to it, and then yeah. you finally tells them that oh, this meal costs uh, two hundred dollars per person, mm. they will probably not get any enjoyment out of it because they were served in such a small amount of food. And yeah. I definitely know that our dad will probably complain. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's just the the certain upbringings and the certain life experience that you have, kind of determine of the sort of food that you your preferences of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, I... you said you you prefer a sandwich, but for me, I think I'm a still a very Asian stomach. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Food or at least yeah. Ramen. I'm a ramen. yeah yeah I hate I hate ramen. I don't like ramen. I I think it's because I had a bad spout of it once. Mm. I must have like I think I had food poisoning once from it. So I just have never re learned to re love it again. But yeah, I don't I don't really love ramen. I I do love white people sandwiches, kashas. You know those um cafes that you that are plenty there's a that that are plenty in the CD in the CBD where they have like. A whole cabinet glass the glass cabinet of like muffins and cakes, and yeah. then there's like different types of sandwiches. sandwiches that yeah. is my favorite kind of place. I, I could do a sandwich any day. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, what you were saying about um, fine dining and all that, I am I hate um, fine dining places. It makes me very uncomfortable. I really don't like going to like um, very posh, fancy uh restaurants because it just makes me anxious i always think am i doing something wrong because i wasn't raised like that so it just well, feels so like foreign you know um trying to discern which fork or which spoon yeah i hate that 
Yeah, all the proper steps of eating. I know there's an etiquette to you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not comfortable. I think eating you need to be comfortable. Comfortable is. Is it this? Yeah, you know how there are like different class divides in the Western world in terms of like posh. Mm-hmm. You know, like Noma, for instance, you know, very expensive restaurants, yeah. degustation menus, and then, you know, there's all the way down to tradies eating meat pies. There's the same kind of divide in Asia, right? Oh, yeah, obviously, of course, yeah. Right. Yeah. That we, don't, we don't have, like, a set of, like, five forks or five spoons. <laughs> yeah, what do we have? Just chopsticks. chopsticks yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for Asians, we're, we're easy. As long yeah, as yeah. then chopsticks are not the easiest um, cutleries to handle, I've noticed. Well, I think, yeah, uh, really? I think they're like the most natural thing in the world and people who don't well, know how to do it are. Because, again, we, we grow up with it. You know, we start using it when we start walking so we know how to yeah. do it. I yeah. People who are adults and still can't use chopsticks or find it a hard I have thing. no comments about those people. <laughs> Um, uh, just as a fun aside, Helen, um, if you could choose just one cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. That's very hard. At the moment, for tonight, mm-hmm. uh, weather, I would stay, still say like tofu, Korean tofu stew. Oh, wow. Okay. So Korean. Korean. Yeah. I like Korean food. Yeah. 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 I have the banchans, you know, the side dishes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the side I dishes. Like, I, I like um, a variety of a lot of food in one. Yeah. Not just one yeah. 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 I think for me, um, even though I have said I've got a white stomach, for me it's um, emphatically Japanese. Oh. I love Japanese food. I love sashimi. I could have sashimi 24-7 all the time. <laughs> I'm addicted to sashimi. I'm never not in the mood for sashimi. You're, you're addicted to like raw fish. Just sashimi though. I don't like um like tuna. I don't like. Well, sashimi is raw fish. Yeah, but I I mean like as in like um salmon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, raw salmon. Yeah, I don't like tuna or like kingfish, raw kingfish. Uh, it's 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 sashimi. I really love. Yeah, like salmon. Wow. Yeah, and also you know like the 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 idea that you you prefer something that's simple, because sashimi is just fish and you slice it and wasaba. Wasabi and soy sauce. Wasabi. Yeah. <laughs> wasabi. But honestly, yeah, my favorite restaurant is Yayo. I love Yayo in, you know, Galleries Victoria. Yeah. Um, it's like not too expensive. Life. It's always great bentong, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Japanese hands down. Simple. simple and easy to consume. That yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now all this food talk is making me hungry. Yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> Think about what we're going to have for dinner. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like to support what we do here at Asian Beaches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Um, So that's it from us this week and we'll chat to you next time. Bye. DM us your favourite cuisines. Yeah, let us know. Bye.